0: There it is, my clicker. Well, how are y'all doing today? Good. So every once in a while, uh, you you come, well, I think a lot of times people come to church and they want like a, a good uplifting message. I hope that that's what this is going to be, but at the same time, if you're familiar with the book of Lamentations, there's no promises today. Um, But I I believe by God's grace it will be. So why lamentations? Why are we going to talk about this? I I think this is super important for our society, for where we're at as a culture. Maybe, maybe for where you're at personally even. I I don't know. I I know some of you are going through some hard times. And, 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 And here's the point of that. If you're not going through a hard time right now, if you've lived long enough, you know that you will be or that you once were. Uh, I think for all of us, and, and any of us, those of us who are who are younger, who have experienced less less life as a whole, uh, look around you and find somebody who's who's got a little bit more gray than you, or a little less hair than you, and they'll they'll tell you the same thing. Like if you if if you don't think that you're going to experience hardship, then then just wait because it's it's inevitable. And so it's very important for us as a church, uh, as Christians, as a body of believers, to talk about. Uh, some of the negative things in Scripture to talk about and to wrestle with some of these things like, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Uh, how is this happening? What, what's going on here? And so the book of Lamentations is going to start us down that journey. This book was written by, uh, most scholars believe and, and, and agree that Jeremiah, as far as the manuscripts, we don't have anybody who signed their name to him like you know Paul did in, in his New Testament letters. We believe it to be the prophet Jeremiah. We believe that it is uh, taken place around 586 BC or a little after that. That's when the destruction of Jerusalem happened because of the Babylonians. And as we're going to see the reason for that and what that looks like in the text as we go through this, this, uh, this book of the Bible. If I were to give you a quick outline, which I would like to do, especially if you, if you haven't read Lamentations for a while or if you're, if you're just not really familiar with it. Um, he, okay, l- let me give you kind of a... 20,000 foot view, okay? Remember where we just ended. So if you missed last Sunday, you, you, could, you could go back and listen to that online. But last Sunday, we were talking about principalities and powers in the heavenly places, right? We battle not against just flesh and blood, but there's real spiritual warfare. Part of that spiritual wherefore, believe it or not, bleeds out into the physical world. We see that all around. We see because of the fall, we live in sin. And so I'm gonna talk about just for a minute some of those things in just a minute here, but understand that this is spiritual warfare that's happened back then too, right? And we see what happens when we succumb to that spiritual warfare in different ways in the book of Lamentations. And then, and then, and this is, this is kind of a preview, we're gonna go from Lamentations when we're done with this series, we're gonna go into the book of Nehemiah and we're gonna see uh, God's faithfulness later also. So I'm really excited for how this laid out. And, and I would love to say that this is some genius on my own part, but it's not. Just praying through this, and feeling like God was, and and I see it now looking out and just God's beauty in in how this year's uh, messages are gonna uh, play out. So I would encourage you to read through the book of Lamentations as we're doing this, but then I would also encourage you, if you have the time to, um, to read through the book of Nehemiah also. I will warn you, if you're anything like me, which means you have ADD and it's hard for you to focus, just be aware that the book of Nehemiah does name a lot of names in there, and there's reason for that, and so when I preach through that, we will, we will talk about that. But just be aware that if you're somebody who kind of loses focus easily, um, you can scan some of that and get, get the names and those kind of things. And, just, and we'll talk about that from the pulpit. But I would encourage you, read through Lamentations, read through Nehemiah as we're going to move into that because Lamentations is going to be a short book. But the outline of it, there's five chapters of Lamentations. It's, it's set up as, um, as, as poem literature, which is lament. We're going to talk about lament too. Obviously, it's the title of the book, right? Now, it's set up in such a way where you have chapter one, chapter two, and then, uh, this is going to sound stupid the way that I'm saying, so yeah, you just said five chapters, but but f- follow me here, okay? Chapter one, chapter two, and then chapter three as the as the pinnacle, okay? And then chapter four and chapter five. Does that make sense? So in your mind, kind of a, a pyramid structure with everything pointing towards chapter Three And the other thing that you're going to see in your translation is there is 22 verses in chapter 1, chapter 2, uh, and then I, I think in chapter 4 and 5. And the reason for that is, and, and then in chapter 3, you have, I believe it's 66. And the reason for that is in the Hebrew alphabet, there is 22 characters, right? Just like for ours, there's, there's 26 in ours, right? I think that's... Um, and so for them, this is what he did. He, he kind of used it, if you will, as, as an acrostic where he took each one of those and then writes a stanza based off of this. And then chapter three, he does AAA, BBB, CCC, or something like that where it, to, to have this crescendo in chapter three. And you will see what I'm talking about as you read through it and as we preach through it, how, the, how that works out, Okay. So again, the reason we're talking about lamentations now, again, is is because this is important for us to deal with these questions ahead of time. Uh, Because sorrow is coming on the horizon in all kinds of different ways, whether that's personal or whether that's corporate. Think about some of the things that are happening in our culture today, right? We just had that, we just had several big shootings. Uh, Overseas, there's famine or there's flooding, Um, In our government, you know, there's, there's issues that are going on. There's unrest economically, like, have you went and got gas lately, right? And so for all of us, we're feeling some pains, but nothing like they saw in Jerusalem. Nothing like we're about to read through. But it's important for us to get into this book, too, even though it might be, you might think, man, Pastor Lamentations, what a downer. You're a downer. Yeah, okay. I'm going to try not to be, but we have to understand the state of where they're at, why they're where they're at, what is happening to them. And also, we're going to see God's grace, God's faithfulness, God's justice, his mercy, God's omnipresent, omniscient control over all these things, okay? And so, it's O. okay for us to be in a season of life we, we tend to come in to church how's it going you know oh it's going good and that's the only acceptable answer no it's not always good and we have to wrestle with these questions about god how are you doing this why are you doing this if you're faithful and true it's the very old question if god is good and if god is powerful then why do bad things happen because if he was good he would stop the bad things that's what we say or if he was powerful then he'd stop the bad things And so if God is both good and powerful, then why do these bad things happen? Well, because we're not quite as good as we like to think we are. And so as we go into the book of Lamentations, as as hopefully you've turned there, chapter one, I want to talk about this shock and awe that is going to happen in this chapter so we're going to walk through this chapter and we're going to see exactly what is going on here as we look into this. And so just remember, again, this this nation was, uh, this is, uh, so again, we did 2 Samuel last year, maybe, I, th- I think. And so King David had, had set up this, and then after him, uh, Solomon, and then from Solomon, there was good kings, bad kings. If you read, by the way, if you read um, Kings and Chronicles, they what you're going to see is you're going to read through Kings or Chronicles and you're going to say, hey, isn't this the exact same story I just, I just read over here? And the answer is yes, it, it's, not you. It, it's not you. It's not your imagination. There's not like three kings with the same name. No, 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 it's the same guy. It's just one is being recorded by one historian. One's being recorded by another historian. And by the way, um, I hope that you don't say, man, that's annoying. I hope what you say is, man, the Bible is reliable. Oh, there are two different sources now, telling me and saying the accuracy of what was being recorded in the history of Israel. And so without further ado, let's, let's pray. And we're going to jump into the book of Lamentations here, starting in verse 1, chapter 1. God, our Father in heaven, we just sang some songs to you. We just sang, so we saw the kids sing songs, nothing's impossible. We sang songs about how you've loved us and redeemed us. But we sing songs about your glory, about your care for us. And it's times like these that we're going to look at in the book of Lamentations where, where we really have to believe that. And we really have to own that. It really requires faith. We see that in the book of Lamentations. We see that throughout your scriptures. Help us not to forget. Help help us not to be so spoiled in our culture or with our lifestyles that when pain comes, we start to question you. You are not our circumstances. And so be with us this morning as as we look at these circumstances. And, and, and God, I pray that you would either minister to our hearts if, if it is us who is in a season of lament or that you would prepare us as we ourselves need to be prepared for a season of lament or that you would use this so that we might be able to speak love into the lives of those who we know are in a season of lament. It's, it's in your name and for your glory we pray. Amen. So the first thing that I want you to see as we look in this is the state of lament. It's not, it's not pretty. And, 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 and I think that that sometimes is why we as Christians sometimes even fail to engage with this. Um, it's scary. When you know somebody is going through a rough time, it's scary to have to deal with that, isn't it? Because what do you say? What do you, what do you do? How do you help? And so uh, we can be tempted sometimes to just kind of either not share with other people because we don't know how to deal with that ourselves, or we're afraid that they won't have the answer for us either, or we think of it somehow as, as weak or wrong or even lacking faith to, to talk about and share these things. And we're very quick And in pastoral ministry, you have to be very careful. And so in in your full-time ministry, you have to be very, just be very careful without shooting people's problems with these Bible bullets. Oh, it's a rough time for you? Well, hey, God uses all things for good for those who love him. It's like, but did you just hear the terrible heartache that I just shared with you? And then your Bible bullet that you're giving me is, hey, God's going to use that for good. It doesn't change the truth of it, brother or sister, but what they needed right then is somebody to weep with them as they weep and not somebody to shoot them with a Bible bullet. So the state of lament looks like this. As we look through in the back, they're going to click through with us, but it it starts off with how. And so does chapter 2. And what you need to understand by the text is that this how, like this right now, It's important that we try to, and so I try to do that. Maybe you've noticed that. It's important that we read the text the way the text sounds. Does that make sense? And so this starts out like this. How? How, God? It says, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. And I want you to see here that the city is going to be personified in the text. How like a widow has she become? She who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces, has become a slave. What Jeremiah is talking about here, what he's sharing with us as we talk about the state of lament, can you relate to this? Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt so lonely, so broken, so alone? Have you ever felt like the entire world and God has turned their back on you? Have, have, you, ever, have, have you ever been at a place in your life where you've, you've wondered, if if not audibly to the Lord, of which we're going to learn how to do the right way to do that, and the biblical way and the God-honoring way to do that as we go through Lamentations? But have you ever, even in your mind, asked the question, How? because that's what they're asking right now. She who is a princess among the provinces has become a slave, verse two. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. So there is none there anymore. She is weeping. She's crying every single night. She lays her head down in sorrow. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. At this point, there was a northern and there was a southern kingdom, right? So you have Israel and you have Judah. All of that is actually all part of Israel, which makes it kind of confusing for us because we don't have the, the framework necessarily if, if, we, if we don't know all the history and stuff like that. But there's, a, there's the northern kingdom, there's the southern kingdom because of the split that would happen in there. And so the people weren't unified. And, and then Judah also then, right? So Judah has gone into exile because of the affliction and the hard servitude. She dwells now among the nations, but finds no resting place. She's been removed. This is the promised land, God. This is the land that you've given to Abraham. She finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for none come to the festival. All her gates are desolate, her priests groan, her virgins have been afflicted, and she herself suffers bitterly. Her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From the daughter of Zion, all her majesty has departed. Her princes have become like deer and they find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all the precious things that were hers from days of old. And we do that in our time of lament too. We think about the good old days. We think about how it used to be so wonderful. And we look at our state and we think, how in the world did it get to this? And now you understand why he starts this with how. With all those blessings, with all that fruitfulness, with all God's faithfulness, with all that goodness and glory of God dwelling with his people. And now they're at a place where they have none of that. They've been destitute. And so the state that we see of lament is one of sorrow and loss and desolation and loneliness. And you need to feel that this morning as we go through this text. When her people fell into the hand of their foe and there was none to help her, her foes gloated over her and they mocked at her downfall. So you have to understand this morning that this is coming from a place of feeling absolutely and utterly alone. And I need you to hear that because there are people in this room that may feel this way right now. And if I'm speaking to you, I need you to stay with me as we're going through lament because at the end of this sermon, I hope to bring you at least a foundation for peace. So the second thing that I want to show you then after the state is the cause. So what is the reason for this lament? Now you might say on the surface, well, here's the reason for their lament, pastor. What a stupid question. The reason for their lament is they're destitute. All, the, all their wealth. Do, I mean, do you remember the city and, and the, the temple? Do you remember? Listen, it, here, here's, here's some of the stuff that you need to hear. Go th- so go back and read about Solomon's building up of this temple. And how wonderful it was, and how much time and effort and majesty was in this temple, like things overlaid with gold, gold, gold. And you'll see the great wealth and the majestic nature of all this, and how far they've fallen. But what's the cause for this? The cause for their lament is not actually the 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 symptoms. So let's look at the text that in verse 8, it says, Jerusalem sinned grievously. So the author doesn't make us wait, neither am I. The cause of lament is sin. Now I want you to hear something this morning. If you are the one who I just got done saying, hey, maybe you're in this dark state, you now might be mad at me. And you might say, Pastor, how dare you? You, you just got done telling me that I, I might be in this dark state and now, and now you're going to actually accuse me and you're going to say, hey, this is because of your sin? Maybe. But you have to also understand that it's because of sin, you, like big umbrella, universal sin, because of the fall, because we live in a fallen world, because there are others that also sin against us, that we can be in a place of lament, not because of any particular sin of ourselves. Now for Jerusalem, we need to understand that the, the place that they're in right now, God sent the Babylonians to punish them because of their wickedness. Scripture, I'm sorry for this terminology, but Scripture says because they were whoring after these other gods. And Scripture uses that term because of its vulgarity and the picture that it gives to us for this. And so that's what they were doing for these other gods. And so God sends these people in to chasten them because of his love for them. And so so your lament right now may not be because of your sin, a direct result of that, but it is, it is because of sin universal, because there is sin out there. And because of that, then, we live in a fallen world. And so we all experience lament. Or at least we experience the effects of sin. I'm going to make an argument for why lament and grief or sorrow or depression, why those things are a little different according to what I see in God's word. But so Jerusalem sinned grievously. Therefore, she became filthy. All who honored her despise her for they have seen her nakedness. She has herself groans and turns her face away. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. She took no thought of her future and therefore her fall is terrible. And again, there it is in the text. She has no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction for my enemy has triumphed. The enemy has stretched out his hands over all her precious things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary. This means not only physically was Jerusalem ravished, but spiritually she was ravished. What we need to understand by this is the depth of... Listen, um, please don't do this, but you can steal all my money. You can steal my car. You can steal my stuff, but you cannot take my life in Christ, right? All Christians can say that. All of us. All of us can say that, right? Take everything out of this world. You can't take Christ. That's our spiritual foundation, right? The Jews at this period of time don't have the New Testament. What they have is the temple. The temple is a sacred space, even they are not allowed to enter in, only the high priest, right, into the Holy of Holies. What has happened here is these Babylonians, these pagans, these Gentiles, these unclean, these serving false gods, These those people have come in and not only taken all their stuff, taken their princes, taken their princesses, taken their wealth, ravished their country, taken their produce, not only taken that, they have went into the sanctuary. They have desecrated god's place they have went into the inner chambers and they weren't smitten dead and now you can look at this and you can understand again why jeremiah is like how how? Because even our people, even our priests who were clean, who were holy, who were righteous, once a year, if they weren't, they would be struck dead. And now these filthy, pagan Gentiles came in. And so these nations, they've entered the sanctuary. Those whom you forbade to enter your congregation. All the people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food, revive their strength. Lord, He says, look, Lord, and see, for I am despised. See, the cause for their, the the symptoms are the loss of these things. The cause, the root, is sin. Sin brings shame. Sin brings defilement. Sin brings destruction. Whether it's national sin, whether it's, familial sin or whether it's personal sin we think to ourselves when we're engaged in something like that hey this doesn't affect anybody else this just affects me and you could not be farther from the truth sin is like a poison or like a cancer if it's not cut out, if it's not dealt with, if it's not remedied, it is only going to grow and it is only going to get worse and it will only cause more and more pain and destruction and defilement and regret and sorrow. And so the cause of lament ultimately is sin. And so you might ask the question, okay, so what is the purpose of lament? So what is all this happening for? That would be a good question. I think so, at least. Have to add a little levity. So I want you to see in the text now from Lamentations 1, 12 through 18, you are going to see some repetition, and I want to see if you can pick up on it, and then I'll talk about it. So verse 12. Is it nothing to you, all who pass by? look and see is there any sorrow like my sorrow which was brought upon me which the lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger some of you might feel this way some of you might feel look there has ne- never in the history of the globe has there been anyone who has suffered the way that i am suffering currently that is a lie from satan There is, in fact, I believe, if if you're the one who's in lament right now, firstly, you should be sitting on the edge of your seat so you can see what is the purpose for your lamentation right now, what is the purpose for your sorrow. But also, I need you to understand and see from the text that there are others in this room who also suffer in like manner as yourself. And that you are not alone. And that when you come to places like this, if these who are sitting around you, if we really love Christ that this should be the place of all places where if somebody says to you in the morning, hey, how are you, that you can say, do you have a minute that we can talk? Do you have a minute that we can pray? Do you have a minute so that we can go and, 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 and weep with one another? Because the truth is I'm not okay right now. The truth is I'm not doing well right now. This is the context of that, or at least it should be. So he goes on and he says, look and see this, that that the Lord has brought on his fierce anger. Verse 13, for on high, he sent the fire into my bones. He made it descend. He spread a net for my feet. He turned me back. He has left me stunned, faint all day long. My transgressions were bound into a yoke by his hand. They were fastened together. They were set upon my neck. He caused my strength to fail. The Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I cannot withstand. The Lord rejected all my mighty men in my midst. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. He says, the Lord has trodden as in a winepress, the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep, my eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me. There it is again. No comfort found, no one to be there. No one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbors should be his foes. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. Verse 18, here it is. The Lord is right, for I have rebelled against his word. But hear all you peoples and see my sufferings. My young women and my young men have gone into captivity. So I mentioned before we read this, that there was some repetition. Did you see it? Because here's what I saw. The repetition was, who has done this? God has done this. Scripture tells us that our God is a good God. He is a powerful God. He is a merciful God. He is a loving God, but He is also righteous and just and holy. And He disciplines those who He loves. And the hope that I hope that you see in this text, the purpose of lament is in the first part of verse 18. The Lord is right, for I have rebelled against his word. What we are to recognize, what Jerusalem is to recognize, is that God is not to be trifled with, and that he is the one who can both bring good as well as bad, and he is the one who can reconcile those, and only him. So yes, God in the text is the afflictor. And, and and in our modern day name it, claim it, rosy colored Christianity, this is off-putting to us. What Pastor, what, what do you mean? What what do you mean God is the one who has Sent them, what God has afflicted them. God has turned his back on them. God has left them. God has made them faint. God has bound them up. I want you to see in verse 14, my transgressions. Who does this sound like to you? Think through your Bible knowledge. There's the word right in there. My transgressions were bound into a yoke by his hand. They were fastened together. They were set upon my neck. He caused my strength to fail. Who gives a new yoke? Christ. In fact, he says, take my yoke Upon you. So, whose transgressions were this yoke? Theirs. Ours. And so, the purpose of lament is the name of the sermon. The purpose of lament is to bring us to shock and to awe. The purpose of lament is to bring us to a place where we call out to God again. The purpose of lament, I think, is uniquely. Christian, Because grief, sorrow, sadness, uh, suffering, those are universal things. Those happen to people over in Brazil and China and Africa and wherever, and they happen here in America, and they happen to Christians and non-Christians, and they happen to all over the globe. But to lament is Christian. Why? Because it brings us to this. The Lord is right, for I have rebelled against his word, and... He has provided an opportunity for me to come back. C.S. Lewis, in his book, A Problem with Pain, says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, what Jerusalem had to come to terms with is the depth and the scope of sin because they needed to be brought to a place where they would have real repentance. And I hope that that brings you hope, knowing that sorrow and sadness is for a purpose. And the purpose, ultimately, is for us to turn to the only one who is our comforter. The only one who gives us a new yoke. The only one who says, listen, there is a new day coming. This is not the end. And so as we end today's text, I want to show you then the plea that we have The plea that we have, the plea that they have is one of mercy, one of justice, one of transforming of situations. 19, he says, I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and elders perished in the city while they sought food to revive their strength. Listen, don't turn to me. I am just a man. You can't turn to your wife your husband, you can't turn to your grandpa or your grandma, your mom and dad. There is no flesh and blood on this side of the grave that can help you. It is only Christ. Verse 20, look, O Lord, for I am in distress. Listen to the depth of their suffering. My stomach churns, my heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword be raves, In the house, it is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is no one to comfort me. There it is again. They feel so alone. All my enemies have heard of my trouble, and they are glad that you have done it. You have brought the day that you announced. Now let them be as I am. Let all their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions. For my groans are many, and my heart is faint. And so in the end, their plea is justice and mercy. Jeremiah, as he's writing this, he gives us a picture of the city of Jerusalem. I hope that I have done as well as I can do to convey that to you, one of destitution and sorrow. You can understand what lamenting means. Lament is a cry, a, a wail, if you will, and that is what they are doing is they're personifying their people and they're at the place now where they're saying, mercy, God, turn your face to me, deal justly, God. Do not forget. We're going to see that as we continue through Lamentations. And so grace is only grace when we see the depths of sin. Mercy is only mercy when we understand our guilt. And so what I hope that we learn from this first chapter of Lessons from the Lament is firstly this, sin is a real problem. I think the reason that there's so many churches today that are so cotton candy is because this message, messages like this, don't bring in the people. And you may be thinking to yourself, man, pastor, you mean we've got four, five more weeks of this? <laughs> yeah. Because we need to understand that sin is a real problem. And so if you want to lament something, if, if, you, if you need to lament something, I, we need to lament sin. We need to hate sin. Because sin is the cause, that's the root of all of these things. What we suffer now, friends, is just symptoms. Just symptoms of a greater issue. And so whether that's personal or corporate, sin has real and devastating consequences. God's judgment and his justice are part of his story. We can't just talk about how God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, although that's true. God does love you and he does have a wonderful plan for your life. But also part of that plan involves going through seasons where in his love for you, he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remove the comforts I'm going to remove the comfort so that you can see what this world is really like, what it really has to offer. The second thing is that we can see from this text, I I hope, is that sin is a real problem, but but here is where you can say amen. Jesus is the real solution. That's right, because here's the foundation of it. Here's the foundation. You may be in a season of lament, but if you have Christ, you are not lost. You are never lost. You have something greater than the temple of which no thief can steal. No warrior can destroy. You have Christ. You have been purchased you have been redeemed you have been renewed this is not your home and so yes you may be going through a time of darkness yes it is okay and as we're going to see we're going to learn the biblical way to complain yes there's a biblical way to complain but God Jesus is the answer Reconciliation through Christ is miraculous because he brings forgiveness. And it starts with confession. You are God, I am not. You are holy, we are not. You have standards, we have fallen short. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Psalm 30 gives us this promise to end with. It says, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes with the morning. Let's pray. God, our Father, you are good.